The Holy Gospel according to St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So when we read through the scriptures, uh, we are reading the accounts of people who had real life interactions in real time with Jesus. Uh, We are looking in on the lives of others uh, and seeing uh, the interactions unfold in their lives. It's a bit like uh, watching TV or reading a, a novel Right? We, we get a picture into the action, but we ourselves are not uh, the primary actors in it. If you've ever watched a TV show, a movie, or read a book, and, uh, and you're reading about other people doing other things, and then one of those characters turns and addresses you, the reader or the watcher, that is a, a convention called breaking the fourth wall. They are breaking from the uh, action on stage or in the, in the movie or uh, in the book, and they are inviting you to be a part of it. They're acknowledging that you're not there with them, but you are nevertheless a part of it. When we read through the scriptures, we're often, most often, 
looking at other things happening of which we are not a part. That is, when we read about Nicodemus going to visit Jesus at night, or we read about uh, Jesus visiting the Samaritan woman at the well, or Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene on that first Easter day, we're not a part of those events. We're reading about them happening to other people. We're not the primary audience. And so it is that when we are reading the letters of St. Paul or St. Peter or St. John, we're reading other people's mail because they weren't written first to us. Uh, The book of Romans was written first to the churches in Rome in the first century, addressing their particular concerns, their uh, particular circumstances. We are kind of eavesdropping on the conversations that happen elsewhere. You know, those first letters of St. Paul were some of the earliest writings of the apostles. And, uh, and it wasn't very long before, you know, the church in Corinth said, hey, you know, Paul wrote this letter over here to the church in Rome, but we find that there's stuff in there that applies to us too. Uh, We find that to be valuable, and pretty soon the churches were copying down these letters, uh, making copies of them and sending them around uh, to other churches so that they could have copies of letters that were written originally to other people, uh, writing copies of the Gospels so that other people could hear uh, particular eyewitness accounts of Jesus. So uh, pretty soon then it was recognized that these weren't just Paul writing to the church in Rome, but actually this was the Holy Spirit speaking to the church. That is, at a a certain point, even in that first century, even while the scriptures were still being written, the churches began to realize that these letters of the apostles and the gospels were actually scripture on par with the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. In fact, we even here, we have one place in scripture, it's in 2 Peter, where Peter, the apostle, talks about the letters of St. Paul, another apostle, and he refers to them as scripture. He says, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. So also our beloved brother Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. Speaking of this, as he does in all his letters, there are some things in them hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Here, St. Peter specifically says regarding the letters of St. Paul, they are scripture, just like the other scriptures, just like Genesis through Deuteronomy, uh, the Torah, the wisdom literature, including the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the prophets, Isaiah through Malachi. We can put right alongside those, the gospels and the letters of the apostles. 
So it is that when St. Paul writes to the young pastor, St. Timothy, saying all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. It applies to all scripture, Old and New Testaments. And it applies to everyone Everyone, just as he says, everyone who belongs to God. So you can search the scriptures. There is no epistle of St. Paul to the church in Stony Ridge. (laughs) Nevertheless, we can say with complete honesty and confidence that St. Paul's letters to the church in Rome or Corinth or Philippi were written to us. That's because it wasn't just St. Paul writing, it was the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, inspired the apostles to write the Gospels and the letters for all time and all people. And God, the Holy Spirit, creates in us, who hear these writings, these sacred scriptures, he creates in us faith in Jesus, whom they proclaim. By the Holy Spirit's leading, we have come to understand that these scriptures have been written for us. And they are even written to us, indirectly. Even though we're not primary actors in the scenes uh, that we read about. Even though we aren't the primary recipients of these letters. It is the same Lord Jesus Christ whom the scriptures proclaim, who is present with us here today and who acts in our lives, not just here, but wherever we go, albeit in a different way. See, the disciples could see Jesus. They could hear his voice in ways that we cannot. They could touch him. In fact, he invited Thomas Jesus, the resurrected one, invited Thomas, touch my hands, touch my side. And indeed, we heard in the epistle from 1 John today, uh, it said that we have seen and heard and touched him. And we might think that those apostles were particularly blessed. If there would be anybody that we could call blessed, it would be those first witnesses of the resurrection who could see it with their own eyes, could feel the breath of Jesus as he breathed on them the Holy Spirit, who could hear his voice, who could touch his wounds and know, "Ah, yes, it is really him. He is risen from the dead. Surely, if anybody is blessed, we would say it was them, but... But listen to what Jesus says. Jesus in our gospel today says, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, up to this point in John's gospel, the grand total of those who have not seen Jesus risen from the dead and yet have believed that he was risen from the dead, zero. No one, no one had. You know, we give a lot of grief to Thomas for not believing that Jesus was risen from the dead before seeing him. But none of them, not Mary Magdalene, not Peter, none of them had believed before Jesus appeared to them and they saw him with their own eyes. 
So who is Jesus talking about when he says, you know, that there are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe? It's nobody in the room there with him. It's as if Jesus is talking to them and then he turns to the camera. He turns to you, those who have heard this, and he says, blessed are you. Because you have not seen, and yet you have come to believe. That's right, Jesus breaks the fourth wall. He isn't talking to anybody in that room, but he is talking to you. He goes through time and space to come to you this morning and to say you are blessed. Because even though you have not seen him, even though you have not had the opportunity to touch his wounds, even though you have not heard his voice, yet, yet you have come to believe. And for that, he calls you blessed. You may wonder, how is it that we come to believe? There's a common uh, phrase, you've heard it before, uh, seeing is believing. And, and there is a context in which that is true, right? I know what people are talking about when they say that, but it's not, it's not a biblical statement. It's not something that applies in this instance. Rather, the scriptures declare that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And it also says, for in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? Scripture contrasts faith and sight. Seeing in the scriptures is not believing. It's, it's something different. Again, we might wonder, how can we believe? Faith requires an object Something, someone in whom we can place our trust. So how can those who have not seen come to believe? Are, are we expected to, to believe in Jesus based on blind faith without reason? How can those who have not seen come to believe? Well, you know, St. Paul asks a very similar question in the book of Romans, but with a critical difference. He does not ask, how are people to believe in one whom they have never seen? He asks, how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? Paul concludes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Paul asserts that the object in, way, in which we place our trust, our faith, is the word of Christ. One hears the word of Christ spoken to them. The Holy Spirit works in their life and creates faith such that they come to trust in Jesus and call him Lord. The disciples, they hadn't believed the testimony, the word of Christ that came through Mary Magdalene, I have seen the Lord. And Thomas, he didn't believe either when they gave their eyewitness testimony, their word of Christ saying, we have seen the Lord. Jesus rebuked 
Thomas for his unbelief and by extension the rest of the disciples for not believing the testimony that was given to them by those who had seen and who proclaimed Christ risen from the dead. Jesus said, have you believed because you have seen me? Such faith can barely be called faith. Blessed is the one who hears the word of Christ and believes based on that testimony without seeing for themselves. So what about you? By the work of the Holy Spirit, you have heard the testimony of Mary Magdalene, I have seen the Lord. You have heard the testimony of the apostles, we have seen the Lord, we've touched him, we've heard his voice. He is alive, risen from the dead. Do you believe this testimony? Jesus wants you to be so blessed. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, the scriptures were written for this very purpose, as John himself writes in our gospel today. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may come to have life in his name. John interrupts the flow of his gospel narrative to directly address you, the hearers of the gospel, and tell us why, the motive for his gospel, so that you may come to believe. And he's not the only one in the Holy Scriptures to do this. St. Luke also writes in his gospel at the very beginning, I too decided after investigating everything carefully from the very first to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. And St. Paul also says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Jesus' miracles, his teaching, the account of his crucifixion, death, and resurrection from the dead, all of this is written for you so that you might come to believe and in believing have life in him. Truly, by God's grace, you are blessed. In the name of Jesus, amen.